hi, Lord, it's me again. You, you heard me yesterday. So here's my shopping list, which you didn't work on last night, by the way. So, you know, um, so have another crack at it. But uh, as opposed to you know, um, being watchful, attentive, kind, thoughtful, prayerful, thankful. Welcome to the Christ Church Jerusalem podcast, where we seek to gain a better understanding of the Hebraic context of Scripture. We're delighted that you're joining us this week for our latest Bible study episode. Our aim is to equip our listeners to wrestle with and deepen their understanding of the Word of God with a unique perspective that we bring from Jerusalem. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome, everyone, to Christ Church Jerusalem, to our evening Bible study. We're finishing up Colossians, Colossians chapter 4. And wherever you're present, uh, however you're listening, then just know that you're, everyone is a valued member of the community. And uh, we're united in spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And that's actually really quite special. So let's honor the Lord as we gather around his word through an act of prayer. So, Father in heaven, we bless your name for your constant love and protection towards us. And we acknowledge your kingship, your authority. We acknowledge you, the call you've given on our lives to walk in a manner that is worthy of you, to give honor and glory to your name. We rejoice in our salvation. And we pray, Lord, that uh, your spirit will indeed be present with us and, and present with all those who are listening. Keep them safe. Bless their families, Lord. And, and bring healing to the nations. We would ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll now read Colossians 4, and uh, then we'll open it up to discussion. So uh, it'll we'll pick it up at chapter 4, verse 2, because verse 1 kind of joined the previous, the previous portion. So Paul urges the community at Colossae, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychius will tell you about all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and he's a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you, they will tell you everything that is happening here. Now, my fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, whose feast day was just recently. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epiphras is one of you and a servant of Jesus Christ. He sends his greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and assured. I would for him that he is working 
I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and that those at Laodicea and Hierapolis, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry that you have received from the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. All right. So, all right, guys. Um, as is our tradition, what are some of the initial thoughts that jump out at you from this these 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 final words i'm waiting for the wisdom about salt <laughs> well me too aria anytime you're ready okay all right let's start uh, lisa from sweden yes the same <clears throat> the salt uh, chapter four uh verse five came up into my mind it sounds very important, and I have reactions on this one, yes. And yeah, because oh, you don't like salt, or just because it's so cryptic, yes, you, know, you wish that Paul yes, would unpack some of this it, stuff? <laughs> yes, it's cryptic, but I, I have a feeling that it's an important thing to understand <laughs> in oh, some I'm ways, sure it is. or to use in the right way. Yeah, I don't know. So we'll, we'll try, we'll get on, we'll, hopefully we'll get, we'll get some clarity on salt. Kate? Yeah, that that phrase jumped out at me as well. But I, I think we often call we often talk about speech being salty, when it's a little bit vulgar. But this is this is a different kind of of saltiness. It's 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 it should be flavoured so that those who need to hear will understand. I think that's that was my thought. And the other thing that I noticed that struck me is that. He he's very specific on this. He writes it himself. Um, he names specific people, um, and he's more descriptive of who he is and where he is and who is with him. And some of the names are, we've got Jesus, who is Justus. I um, yeah, a lot of people get several names, including Paul. Yeah. Yes, and that's that's a, yeah. and Luke is a physician. I didn't know he had become a physician. Uh, well, most people assume it's the same Luke who writes the gospel. There's actually no evidence that it is, but that's fair. He is a doctor. Yeah. But, uh, it's just this, it's very specific this one as to who yeah. he's talking to, who is yeah. who is sending the letter, who wrote it. Yeah. And so it him. looks like Paul signed the end. So he would have a um, a scribe, and at the end he he makes a, a little note so that people know that they could recognize his handwriting. I find it interesting that in this case, in this letter, you you actually dis, dis, um, it describes the idea of an encyclical, that a document is given to one community and is then actually passed on to other communities, and uh, so you can begin to see how documents are, are moved around from place to place, and then of course you get this idea that we now know that um, Paul wrote another letter that's not in the Bible. And uh, which, of course, then begs the question, oh, why not? You know, <laughs> it, it may be the letter to the Ephesians. Could be, actually. Yeah, there's there's a there's um there, there's a there's a, a tradition that says exactly that, that it's actually it's actually that. And there is um 
another document which was forged called the letter to the the laodiceans which um ephesians actually the word does not appear at the start of the letter to the ephesians so it's in fact biblically it's an anonymous letter and it, there you go so it could be that one and right. and since it's very similar to the colossians it seems to be a sister letter there's rumor yeah the the that that's the letter yeah it has um the argument has weight okay um unfortunately because it's already pre-named some people sort of have ignored it but uh the argument that aria is uh, stressing has has weight in uh, in in scholarship in some scholarship circles does everyone understand what we just said okay so the letter to so here here paul is describing that he's written a letter um to the laodiceans and he's asking the communities to exchange letters so we we know that the the letter to the colossians was preserved so why was the letter to the laodiceans not preserved well, when we read the epistle to the Ephesians, we discover that it's not actually addressed to them. How did it get its tradition to being the, to being the church at Ephesus? Well, um, that is uh, that that's a, a a thing. Okay. Um, so, all right. Even though, uh, yeah. So we'll have to uh, uh, the the. So REA, the subscribal bit at the beginning of the Church of Ephesians, is that a later edition then? Yes, it's from the Byzantine textual tradition many centuries later. Yeah. So we have to remember that, and I know it sounds a bit hard to say sometimes, but the Bible that we're reading is often Byzantine texts. So there's there's manuscript transmissions, but this is another talk about manuscript transmission. Fascinating talk, by the way. But um, but it means that uh, some some uh, some of the differences between uh, Alexandrian texts and Byzantine texts can actually be about ten percent in, in in word volume. Okay, so just letting letting you know. All right, so uh, Janet, sunny Canada. <laughs> Thank you. Send the sun. Um, <laughs> I'm going back to this salt issue. Um, and and just as I was sort of re responding to it, I went back to the beginning of walk in wisdom. Okay, so making the best use of your time. So if you're walking in wisdom, you're going to know sometimes that you're going to actually be speaking to the person. Like that's going to be, you're going to be activated for that. And it says, let your speech be gracious. So there's a kind of, um, there's a quality of, of uh, the Holy Spirit or, 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 or the, the Godhead in your, you know, because graciousness is, is, a, is an a, a, attribute of God. So actually there's right there, there's kind of a dependency of the Holy Spirit. And then when I thought of the salt, um, you're going to be serving up, quote, different spoken meals to people. So you're going to be actually serving up something that really appeals to them in your words. And there's an image here of, of putting salt on it. And it, there are some foods that if you don't put the salt on it, it will be totally bland. It's not just a case of exciting the, the, the taste buds. If you try to bake bread without salt, it's absolutely horrible. And 
So well, actually, humanly speaking, every one of us actually needs salt in our diet. Just so you know. We, I know. we need salt and we need salt to live. Our bodies need it. So spiritually, we need salt as well. And so he's saying to make what you are doing really fit that person, which is part of your calling, then you need the Holy Spirit. You you ask him, how what what do you want me to say? What do you want me to yeah. serve up? To? Yeah. I, I find this a great little advocation. He's like telling the, the community at Colossae, look, you've been, so there are some people trying to persuade you this false gospel. Turn the tables. You share the gospel, right? And uh, so you go out there and, 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 and change everything. And then there's this, obviously, with grace, and then this little cryptic and season with some salt. It's, it's quite a great little thing. You have a calling, go share. And, and the salt will purify the atmosphere as well. Because I think there's always that image of salt. You know, the offerings were salted. The, the, yep. Whenever you get a word like he's taught us there in, in the scripture, look at all the other places that it is. Yep. And, and so. Yeah. And in context as well. Um, yes. The salt was often used as a form of payment. Um, particularly for Roman soldiers. They were paid in salt, hence where we get the word salary from. And uh, and so it's inc it's incredibly part of your socioeconomic element. Mm -hmm. So it even could be, you know, uh, seasoned with salt. You know, make, some, make it attractive. So it has a sting. It has a, a, a need. It has an element of preservation. It's got a, and it's got an element of being attractive. It uh, flavors them. I mean, there's so many different aspects um uh, and if you have a wound or a cut or you want to when i talk about purifying i mean one of the best things to put on something is is a solution of yeah. salt yeah you're pulling, you're pulling some of the deception you're pulling some of this stuff out of the atmosphere for the colossians not the atmosphere mm -hmm. but you're actually physically doing something that's going to alter it yeah by taking the gospel in in that way all right, uh, a couple more hands here. Doug. From not-so-sunny Ottawa. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> looking at this from a 20,000-foot level, uh, I, I noticed some interesting things. First of all, it's it's a commissioning. He's, he's sending instructions out to different churches, but it's also showing um, the formation of the earliest organization of the churches. You can see you... Uh, I'm not sure it's a case of uh, bishops, priests, deacons, but you can see that you've got a hierarchy who are sending out instructions to uh, other levels, and they're telling the other levels to work together. So we're actually seeing from an organizational perspective um, the earliest uh, formations of the church. Yeah, and if you think about it, um, uh, Greco-Roman society was already well-structured. So it was... The, the, there's machinery in place to be able to do this. Plus, you've also you know, Judaism also had its own forms of structures. But yes, we see hierarchy sending out uh, of instructions that are to be received and then put into practice. Right? Good stuff. Excellent. So, joy. Also, my gosh, the Canadians, man, you're all talking right now. I have to apologize for my voice, but. I just wanted to add one more note about the salt. The uh, translation I'm looking at, I think, is particularly helpful because it says, let your conversation always be gracious, 
and interesting. And you actually said something very close to that, Aaron. Yeah. So, gracious is one thing, but make it interesting. And we can know, we know from our own experience that that often is a turning point in a conversation. So I thought that was an interesting translation instead of assault. Nice. So, does add interest, as has already been pointed out, in terms well, of your, your comments seem to have raised two more hands. So let's go to Ireland so, before we swing back to Canada. Sorry, I had a barking dog. <laughs> um, no, what struck me about chapter four was the emphasis on prayer. Okay. Because you devote yourselves to pray, pray for us. Pray that I may proclaim. And then it points out that somebody is dedicated to prayer for them. And I just thought that was, that's what came out for me. But no matter your reciprocal, isn't it? It's yeah. reciprocal, Velma. He's, you know, we're praying for you, but you guys, you pray for me. Because, like, yeah. uh, I, I'm in chains, I'm in prison. I, I want to get out and start sharing the gospel. Mm -hmm. So you guys pray that I get out. And, but uh, so, yeah, yeah, because they're in that Paul and them are in that situation, they cannot get out to do what they want to do. But yeah. they're suffering people in prayer, and sometimes we think we should be active physically in the church, whereas prayer for people can be vital. You know, and I, I like the whole emphasis of prayer in it. Thank you. Excellent. If you if you don't think you can do anything, you can always pray. Damaris, also sunny Canada. Uh, for the benefit of people listening, um, I in verse six, I don't have reference to salt. So someone has been spending my time searching, where is the salt? Um, and it, as was said earlier, it says, let your conversation always be gracious and interesting. I'm using a, a Jewish version of the of these uh, scriptures, so I'm kind of wondering why it would be different since salt would be very prevalent during that period of time. Is there a why would they not use salt well, in well, the Jewish it, it version? It could be that the translation you're using is just taking the Greek uh, phrase and saying, this is actually its intention. We're making a translational decision. Okay. okay. Um, most translations actually have to have to do that sooner or later. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Rea, the actual Greek word is for salt is there, correct? Which is the reason why most translations use salt. Yes. yes. Let your yes. speech be seasoned with salt. Yeah. I think we we've had some very good uh, interaction with the word and phrase, and I I think there's some clarity here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and having and the, the 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 decision of these translators to say you know make it interesting is we we discussed that too. So they made a translational decision to say this is what we think this this actually means, right? So what an interesting uh, what an interesting thing, you know. Has anyone ever gone to church and had a really boring sermon? Please don't say any of them in my mind because that'd be really embarrassing right now. But, but, but yes, and uh, you know, it's not that sermons have to be entertaining, okay? but you know, the word of God should also be um, attractive, not just on a spiritual level. But you know, that's that's why we often uh, want to train those uh, people who are, who are preachers. So you know, 
you want to be able to declare the word of the Lord in a clear, attractive, attractive manner. All right. So going on to prayer. Oh, yeah. adapted, adapted to the particular audience that we are addressing. I think that's the central uh, thing yeah. that Paul is talking about here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. So, all right, Lauren. I just want to, thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just wanted to go back to the prayer thing and all the prayer in the, the, the start here. Continue earnestly in prayer with, and being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And then, of course, we go on and get to the salt. Could it be, could it be that the Lord is, in, or Paul here, or the Holy Spirit through Paul, is telling us that one of the ways that we can be salty and wise in our approach and gracious and all of that, those things there, is preluded by prayer. I was just thinking of Jesus, how many times um, in the scriptures we assume that when he went out and all night was gone, that he wasn't fishing. He was in fact in prayer. And so that vigilant prayer would bring us to these things here for the sake of the audience we're with. Just a thought. No, good thoughts. Thank you. Uh, the, the, as we can see just from the first couple of sentences, there is a strong emphasis in prayer. And in Paul's world, I mean, I'm, I know Gentiles would have gone uh, onto their temples and engaged in some various forms of prayers too. But in the Jewish world, they had a regular cycle of prayer, you know, you know already in a daily thing. So Paul is continuing to advocate. This is very important for a, for a community. And um, and then it's 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 um, there was a couple of caveats that go with the prayer. Be devote yourselves to prayer, and watchful, thankful. You know these were were two two elements uh, within your prayer life. That uh, um, what we're being watchful of, or maybe all kinds of things, but definitely be attentive to things you need to pray about, and also be attentive to things that might be coming up against you that you need to be praying about. But then also be uh, thankful. You know, one of the psalms is enter into the courts of the Lord with thanksgiving. Is a one of the one of a very valuable pattern of prayer before anything else, before we give any appeal, is to be thankful. So you begin with thankfulness and then say, and Lord, this is what I'm bringing to the table right now. But just so you know, I am actually really thankful as well. There's so much that I should, uh, that I, that I, you know, as opposed to just, hi, Lord, it's me again. You, you heard me yesterday. So here's my shopping list, which you didn't work on last night, by the way. So, you know, um, so have another crack at it. But uh, as opposed to, you know, um, being watchful, attentive, kind, thoughtful, prayerful, thankful, and then and, and diligent. All right, Aria, hand raised. It's just a comment about this word that is usually translated watch, Gregoreo. Um, I don't object to the use of the word watch, but its root meaning is stay awake at night. And it's implying that you're praying at a time when other people are asleep, and I would and in fact, from our New Testament examples, literally praying at night. We, we have our habit, and I think we're well known of our quiet times and our morning times and whatnot, and that's my pattern personally. But there is a place for praying at night. 
everybody else is asleep people praying and and uh, persevering at night, at night and it's difficult that, that therefore the word persevere or stick to it keep to it we got to the night we're tired and it's time to go to bed or watch tv or whatever we usually do in our routine and paul says at least sometimes it's time to pray nice excellent there's uh Yep, Andrew Huffman said, "Pray without ceasing." You know that that uh, make make all kinds of actions uh, a form of prayer. Um, obviously, there are some, we've had this discussion, and we're not going to do it again. Uh, uh, when when are there inappropriate times to pray? Okay. Um, so, if you want to know what those are, you're going to have to go back and listen to the Leviticus chat. <laughs> all right, um, all right. Pray that they, they, Paul advocates that people um, uh, pray for them, uh, pray for him, so that they can uh, proclaim the mystery of Christ. Right? Don't you love the way Paul just throws out these phrases sometimes? And he goes, no, what is the mystery of Christ, do you think? Now, um, Aria and I have had uh, a couple of great sessions together uh, on this, but I'd love to, what do you, what do you guys think? You know? Uh, is is the mystery being being born again? Okay, reborn. all right. Uh, in 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 a mysterious being a way of um, uh, physically and biologically that doesn't make any sense. So therefore, this has to be something else. Is that the kind of way you mean, Damaris? Okay, Lisa. Yes, and and yes, a reaction on this uh, theme: uh, born again and mystery of Christ. Uh, I agree. Um, it's a mystery. So it's difficult to talk about it, but something by born again can give it a more uh, create more. It's, it's something with the creation, with the, me as the, uh, a human being and my uh, uh, relationship to to God uh, in different ways. So so it's something I can feel in the heart or in the body. Okay. And, and so on through reading and prayer and, and, and different ways so it, it comes it can be strong sometimes and sometimes uh, not so much but it's if it, I feel like uh, it was uh, the songs the Lord is my string stacket uh, my strength and my also my weakness. And he, he is my my salvation, something like that. That's Just really awesome. one comment. Kate, mm. you're on mute, Kate. Yeah, it's, it's, to me, very often, the mystery that I notice is that we ignore the supernatural element of the Bible, and there is in all our prayer, a supernatural element, we are praying in faith to someone we cannot see, that we can live our life according to his ways. And we can't show it to anybody and we can't say in any other way, but we know it to be true. And this is this to me is a mystery. Okay. It's a mystery of faith. It's a supernatural element of knowing that God hears you. And it happens. Thank you. Great. Excellent. A supernatural element of our faith, looking at things unseen, yet knowing them to be true. 
All right. Um, Janet. Um, well, after I speak this, I would love to hear what the Greek word is for mystery. Um, I'm thinking of in, in a more modern term, when, when we read a mystery, we, we have all sorts of clues along the way and somehow they get put together at the end. So, and Paul is in prison because of this, because he has, he has sort of revealed a mystery about uh, the relationship between sin and people's state of living and what Christ has done by coming and dying on the cross. And so it's a sort of the answer to the human dilemma is, is one that, that some people don't like because it confronts them um, and it confronts their culture. It confronts, it's having a, it's having a, disturbing effect on what the current culture is, whether it's the Roman culture or um, the, the Judaism, as you might call it, or anywhere where it invades, it, 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 <laughs> it stands in opposition to it. It was a mystery up to then, and it still is a mystery to some degree to the Jewish people until the veil comes off. It's like this is still kind of and, and even for us, even though the mystery has been revealed, we don't fully understand it. It's like we've been given the end of the story, but we haven't really got the full end yet. And but we yet got something to story. proclaim. We, yeah, we have something to proclaim, and we have something that we can live in, which is living and real and powerful. But at the same time, we don't, we can't even declare that we fully understand this, but we mm. are walking in it, living in it, and it has a present reality nice. i don't know no that's why it's a mystery but yeah it's great great conversations fantastic aria in 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 three sentences or less <laughs> we we spent quite a few weeks on this but uh do you have a summary uh for, for well uh the summary the simple summary that comes to mind is it speaks of progressive revelation and the, and the letter has, has outlined this already, the hidden knowledge and wisdom in Christ. We have to keep working at it. I'm sure that when Paul shared, when he had wisdom to share the mystery of Christ, he understood more of the mystery of Christ, and he had more to share the next time. It's like Jesus says, he who has will get more. He who doesn't will lose what he seems to have. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. And you proclaim. You proclaim the bit that you know. You learn some more, and then you proclaim that. All righty. So, and uh, then we get a, a, a warning, or a, you know, a warning in, in verse 5, to be wise in the way we act to outsiders. That, uh, that uh, there is this, um, he, he says, make the most of every opportunity. So he's not asking them to be antagonistic. He's not asking them to avoid conversations, uh, but he is asking people to have some common sense. Right? That uh, there are there are going to be times and places that you should go and uh, do your thing, and there are other times when perhaps your presence may actually cause trouble and therefore actually bring Christ into disrepute. Rather than actually uh, have any effect, but in our conversations, they should be full of grace, uh, loving kindness, that uh, not judgmental or condescending, which is sometimes very hard 
I know uh, sometimes we can come across as being a little rough and gruff, and, and then we we have to listen when other people say that that, that was actually that that uh, uh, they don't like perhaps what we're saying and modify our our words, but without holding back the truth. Um, perhaps that is a little bit about what we've discussed with, with um, being seasoned with salt. Say that we know how to answer everyone. There is um, an appeal that uh, you can't keep it a secret. You, you actually have to share and, um, and give a reason for the hope that we have. So then there's a series of, uh, of final greetings in amongst the community. And uh, we get a, a bunch of people that most of us have never heard of before. And probably we'll never hear of them again, except when we meet them in heaven. Um, but we discover that Paul isn't alone. Right? And uh, uh, there are other faithful ministers, fellow servants, people that Paul is commending to them. And, um, and uh, in, in fact, one person who comes in verse 9 is uh, Onesimus. Right? And uh, he's famous from the book of uh, Philemon or Philemon. Uh, anyone remember the scenario that occurs in Philemon? Yep. What 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 actually happened? So once he misses uh, a runaway slave, and uh, um, Paul says, actually, you should probably go back. And now we discover he's actually from Colossae, right? And um, where Paul has actually already mentioned in chapter three, listen. Uh, slaves, masters, you know, start to get along, will you? You know, um, uh, for to, to be a really good witness and something that's completely countercultural and something that looks completely different to the Greco-Roman world. This is what I need you to do. I need uh, slaves. I need you to serve the human as though you were serving uh, Jesus Himself. Oh, and and masters, you need to love your slaves as though they were Jesus Himself. And um, and then and and just for that. We're sending back um, uh, this guy, uh, Onesimus, whom Paul actually says is also a faithful and a dear brother. So uh, regardless of his actual social standing. And um, and then when they get back, they'll tell you everything that's happened to me in Rome, which you know, my house arrests and all of the great shipwrecks and stories I can give you. And, uh, and then you can all find encouragement for that if that is a is a an encouragement and uh then we discover that um uh paul also has some um tells them that barnabas okay is uh is coming and of course what's paul's relationship with barnabas anyone remember barnabas is the guy in the book of acts who went and got saul uh from tarsus and brought him to antioch Right. So um, Paul had had his Damascus Road experience. He had gone down into uh, the Arabia to um, commune with the Lord and learn. And uh, then he had actually gone north, uh, visited Jerusalem, wasn't exactly all that well well received, and then had uh, disappeared. And um, and and Barnabas says actually it's time to get Saul back and brings him to Antioch which okay is a mixed community of Jews and Gentiles right and so the the history of Antioch is according to the book of Acts a group of Jewish guys from Cyprus 
went over and shared the gospel with the Antiochians, created a community. So the community was not founded by Paul, wasn't founded by Barnabas either, by the way, but as it was growing and developing, Barnabas saw this fantastic opportunity to take this uh, you know, Hellenistic Jewish guy who speaks multiple languages and had an incredible witness and testimony of being a persecutor, now a preacher, and, uh, and basically um, Saul you know, uh, learns his craft in Antioch. He spends 18 months there learning how a community of Jews and Gentiles work. And then eventually the Holy Spirit turns around and says, now, guys, give me that guy and that guy. Give me Saul and uh, Paul and Silas, and uh, and we're going to use them. So you know, Barnabas, uh, he only gets like one sentence, okay? But he had an incredible effect, did he not? Okay, preparing and, and, and building up uh, up the apostle. So um, very aptly named the son the son of uh, encouragement. Uh, and because Barnabas, whose real name was Joseph, and he happens to be a Levite and he happens to be from Cyprus, it was a probably probably a good idea that he actually knew some of the original founders that went from Cyprus to Antioch. That was probably the reason why he was a part of that part of that community. All right, and. Um, and uh, there's a couple of, we're describing here a couple of Jewish believers in Jesus. And then um, Epiphras is going to come, who uh, has also, well, actually, he just sends his greetings, okay? Because um, he's got, for, for whatever reason, he looks like he was going to be um, spending some time doing other missions for, for, for Paul. Then we get uh, our little friend Lucas, the, the doctor. And um, just about every commentary that I looked at all said, this is Luke. Okay. <laughs> and that's fine. No problem probably is. But uh, it could. It doesn't have to be. It could just be somebody else, uh, another Lucius, uh, who also sent, uh, has his uh, uh, greetings. And then you get that interesting little, little... Now, all of these are men. And then you get a lady, uh, Nympha, and who actually has a community in her house. And, um, and for those that uh, remember the, the Gospel of Luke, uh, he has a particular affinity for um, pointing out um, where all the women appear in the Bible and, and their importance. And it's in, in the Gospel of Luke we discover that it's actually the rich, wealthy women who are actually paying for the whole thing. So uh, the, the ministry of Jesus was actually paid for. Um, by, by uh, female, rich female disciples. And so this lady, whom we know again, next to nothing about, Paul knows her or knows of her, okay, um, and uh, uh, knows that there's this lady in Laodicea, perhaps, um, perhaps uh, uh, Paul had actually been to Laodicea. I don't know if he actually had been in, in the book of Acts can't remember. Um, so he may actually minor, minor this girl personally. But uh, if the church meets in her house, what may or may that not imply? Any thoughts? The text is actually it's a little vague. But go, yeah. Kate. I'm confused because if you start at 12, it says Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, and, all, and then I bear witness that he has great zeal and those who are in Laodicea, and those in Hierapolis, 
Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church that is in his house. It refers to Nymphus as a hymn. And really? this is her as a female, her house. Greek is her. All right. I'm sorry, this is New King James Version I'm reading. So that's why I was confused then. Because it's you're talking about her as a female, and this is saying is is it is him. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Is it possible they were meeting in a house church because they're not that they're actually uh Colossian Colossia was in the midst of all the churches of Revelation. And if you look at Laodicea, it was a lukewarm church. Maybe they were having extra study because they weren't getting enough from the church. <laughs> well, the church meets in, in, in Nymphas in uh, Laodicea. And the there were only meet. house churches. Yeah. They, they hadn't actually built structures that we could know as, as churches yet. So, uh, but uh, they so are they're... an interesting area, though, because all those churches are commented on in Revelation. Right, right, but they're not. They're not. We're not. Don't, don't think in terms of like a like a physical building. Uh, a few of them do get established, but at the time that we're writing Colossae, they don't have the the um, they don't have the first of all they don't have the legality to run around and build that kind of stuff. So they met in in in, in homes and uh, um, and that and all kinds of homes, males and females. Well, I was thinking. Church, not as a physical building, but as a as a uh, group. I yeah, that's what it is. It's a group of people meeting in a house, and they they're calling that the kehila, the assembly, the ecclesia, uh, where we get the word church. Okay, Lisa. Yes, I I got a news paper about this time of when the church was new and, and there was during the first centuries also the problem with the they could not no longer walk to the synagogue because they were believers in Christ so they had to be a little in their homes or in other places and and, and during this time was right. <clears throat> a little difficult time also and uh so for many of the Jews who were believers, they in, were they, they they met in people's homes. That is one hundred percent true. It doesn't take long for a community with any means to procure a building. Just so you know, okay. Sometimes sometimes we think, oh, it's been hundreds of years before we actually finally get a building. That's not true. Okay, you get any group together, and if they've got means and if they're motivated. Within, within a short span of time, they can purchase a property or they can gather a building, they can dedicate a building, they can reshape a building. And, uh, and that takes, you get, obviously, by the time you get to a couple of hundred years into, into the Byzantine period, you've got physical structures, okay? you've got a legality and stuff. But um, uh, already in ancient cities like Dura Europas and stuff like that, which is second century, Okay, still while the church is illegal, uh, you have a physical building called a church. It just happens to be opposite a synagogue, um, and, uh, which is a very interesting ruin, okay? Um, full of frescoes and all kinds of wonderful things, and that's that's great. But uh, no, it's, it's they, uh, at this stage, I would not say that uh, Nymphas' house has been converted into anything, but 
Um, uh, but she's definitely perhaps a woman with means. Perhaps she's the actual leader. Perhaps she's just the facilitator. Uh, who, who knows? But uh, it's a definitely a well-known thing that uh, if you want to go and worship the Lord, you go to her place, okay? particularly in, um, in, in Laodicea. Okay, which means she would have been the recipient uh, of a letter. She would have been in her community, would have been sitting there reading out um, the uh, uh, letter that Paul had written to the, La the Laodiceans. Because right? that's what, so what they would have done. They would have received the letter. They would have gathered in whatever gathering area a person who has either reads well or is not embarrassed to speak in public. Um, and uh, would have got up and actually then shared the letter out out, out loud. Uh, Janet? Yeah, I'm just, um, my translation is ESV and for verses, give my greetings to the brothers. It, the footnote is brothers and sisters at Laodicea. So there's, there's this sort of sense of affirming um, the women and the men. And the fact that um, that you're, you, when we're talking about Yeshua's ministry, the women were quite predominant in supporting it and having things in their home like Mary and Martha and perhaps others. So this is kind of being like in terms of the Roman or the Greek culture or this culture of Colossae, the fact that a woman could have, um, could could receive gatherings in her home. Is this is that usual in that culture in the sense of, <clears throat> um, I mean, the, the synagogue itself was usually quite dominated by, by men <laughs> in, in that structure. So here you've got, I, I would presume a woman who has a house that's suitable for people to meet in, we don't know. And maybe, maybe she's just someone who says, I don't care how big or wonderful my house is, but I want to open it up. I'm I'm gonna have the courage to do that. But I think probably she is a person of means so that it's big enough. We don't know how many people are in it, right? The ecclesia. But it's it's no, big no, enough. They don't, they, don't, it's, they don't give you numbers. Um and because we don't really know the size of Nympha's house, you know, if it's a small house like in uh the, the a normal common house you probably wouldn't get more than 30 or 40 but if you've got a villa like if you're actually one of the you know um what are the 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 the, the, the what was the uh, the roman aristocracy that could ride horses the patricians no. yeah the, well just a bit a bit up above like upper middle class you might have a villa mm -hmm. and if you had a villa you might well, then you actually put the means to actually hold a much more larger gathering uh, inside outside who really knows um but you end up this this uh, this this uh, this great little phrase that uh, you know, women are involved in the early church, right? And uh, in some fashion, they're not being excluded or ignored or or whatever, uh, which is great. It doesn't say that she's teaching, but she could be. Okay, it doesn't say that she's the uh, the pastor, but she could be. Okay, we just it's in her home and whatever that actually means. So, uh... yeah, it, it, sorry, it, it sort of implies also, I mean, if she were married, you know, it, it's sort of like, you know, maybe she's an older woman, and you know, has means because she's inherited, her husband's no longer alive. And so therefore, she's the sort of person of the house, 
Otherwise, you would expect, would, you know, or is her husband on side? We don't know any of these things. But it just seems significant that yeah. she she's doing this. And, there um, are many cultures, and including in the Jewish world, where, um, you know, the, uh, the, the matriarchal grandmother uh, rules the roost, right? You know, <laughs> uh, nothing's going to get done if grandma does not approve, right? Uh, even if my son's the rabbi, right? Yeah, that's the way. It will. So, uh, who, who really knows how this was working out in the in the early church? And I'm sure that that was those sort of relationships were there too. And you know, we're looking at a, at a community where everything was breaking down in terms of you know, uh, uh, husbands and wives submit to each other. You know, slaves and masters love each other. You know, uh, poor and rich uh, worship and love together and, and share the wealth. You know, you're, you're really getting this. Uh, this you know very new dynamic you know community that's supposed to be looking attractive to to the outside world and uh, yeah but it's so. also a bit threatening when you start to threaten that structure which is patriarchal and and then when things start changing or you know has has layers of authority of people over people when you start to say well there's an equality there it it really threatens the culture um, in it a does. positive way, whereas in the culture now where you're saying that actually that women are more equal than men, it's sort of taken on, or, or people of minorities are, are somehow have different privileges. It's sort of I, I, I like that phrase because it's an oxymoron in terms, isn't it? More equal. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it, yeah, and it swings the other way so that yeah. then... Um, you know, we have a culture now where it's a bad thing to be uh, a white uh, European, yeah. because yeah. So, I, but I think in 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 the gospel, that equality of people is expressed in a way that it's never it can't be expressed in any other system. Yep. the 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 gospel in in in, in all of its forms you know, was a, was a threat on so many different levels. And that included, uh, even in the in one incident in the Book of Acts, um, you know, the idol makers are getting upset and want to kick Paul out. Why? Because, you know, all these people who are buying my idols all of a sudden have become, you know, worshippers of an invisible God, you know. Uh, they're not buying any of my stuff. And so we've got to get rid of these guys. They're bad for business. Um, you know, the, the, the people who had a demon-possessed girl, you know, who was to tell fortunes, you know, as soon as uh, that gets cured, not, this is fantastic, I think I might go join this movement, it's, you know, we've got to beat these guys to a pulp for ruining my business. You know, it was a threat on so many levels, um, and uh, let alone its uh, theological one, which uh, may, may have been a challenge on some people, but yeah. But they're not they're so attractive and, uh, and, and, and had its reaction uh, negative. You know, that's the way the church has grown around the world in every environment. You know, um, go to areas where it's illegal to be a Christian and the government hates it and has got all kinds of fears to why they are so afraid. And yet it grows because it's attractive to somebody. You know, somebody in the same society where the government says they're evil, they go, well, I don't think so. I think it's actually something I'm willing to join, and, uh, even even against what the government is saying. I mean, let's remember at the time that this is writing, persecutions haven't broken out as as they will a bit later, right? You know, we're not 
you know, Paul doesn't write to the Colossians and saying, I hear you're all being thrown to the lions. I'm very sorry about that. That's that's going to come come a bit later. There's a different different type of uh, problem at the time. Um, okay. Any other comments in relation to the way they, okay. Yeah, a couple of hands. Lauren. Sorry, I was quick there. It's not in relation to what we've been discussing now, but just this thing about remember my chains. I'm just thinking of Paul. I've learned to be content with all things and all of that. But here twice, I am in chains. Remember my chains. And uh, I'm wondering if he's not quietly just saying, I actually don't want to be like this. Can any of you pray that I get out of this? Imagine the struggle internally for him. This guy has traveled around Asia Minor. He's got this strong desire to get to Spain. He's He prefers to be proclaiming the gospel, you know, casting out demons, doing all kinds of things. And instead of being out on the field doing something, I'm trapped inside a room and uh, for years. You know, this is, he's not a happy camper. So, yeah. So he, he's, he, isn't it, he, he urges to pray for me so that I can get out and do my job. So he's appealing to people he's never met. He's never met these people. Right? He's given them some admonitions. He's given them some encouragement. He's given them some some teaching, okay, uh, and uh, and challenges. And then he's also asked stuff for them. So, um, probably the people that he's sending that will will give the the community a probably a pretty good update of of Paul's you know mental state and spiritual state and desire and plans, you know, and uh, and probably also a few extra words of wisdom and a bit more learning in the mystery of Christ, get a little bit more of the, of the, of the mystery unfolded for them. But yeah. So it's interesting that the last, so the, the, almost the second, the, the, literally the second last sentence is, uh, remember I'm in chains, help. Velma, Ireland, the mute button for the barky dog. I think uh, seven and eight. And nine, I will try and say his name, Tychus, when he brings on Nippus home back, it's a beautiful picture there that you had somebody that wasn't perfect, had ran away, had been redeemed and was now being restored. And the, the brother that was coming with them was coming to fight for him. And I think that's just a beautiful picture of the way the church should be. Yeah. We should be looking for the lost one, yeah. redeeming them and establishing yes. them and again. They're definitely sending out the two-by-twos, which is you know what mm -hmm. the Lord has done, and trying to keep them uh, in patterns. You often even see Paul with a partner uh, as well. But, yeah, it is a, it's a great it's – a, it is a physical representation of redemption. Mm -hmm. and, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, and uh, this, and so you know, as Paul says, you know, I'm still a slave. I am also a slave to Christ. So this guy is going to go back to his earthly master, but at the same time, there's now this is going to be a restored, hopefully quite beautiful relationship. And um, now, obviously, I can't prove it, but more than likely, you know, freedom eventually came to uh, Onesimus sooner rather than later. With his, was he? Uh, um facing the death penalty for running away? Uh, that I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. 
not sure. No, that's okay. It just must have been something I'd read somewhere that if your slave ran away, you could put them to death. Not so sure. this is literally a huge restoration of this man. Yeah. You know, I mean, to, to kill a slave, um, you know, not to, not to get too too uh, carnal on all of it. That they they have value, right? You've you've paid for mm -hmm. them. Right? They, you don't want to always just shoot the horse that, that bolted from the, the paddock you want to bring it back <laughs> but uh, yeah I, i'm not sure but we can we can probably we can probably google it patron saint of all misinformation we could probably you know, work out the, <laughs> no, uh, just want... tell no, us what okay. slavery laws were like in the roman period um but whatever they were the the point of what's going on here is the is a massive action of redemption in, in in all of its levels because um they're going to the what they're going to do onesimus and uh Tychius, they're going to act out physically a walk worthy of the lord right mm -hmm. you know where a, a runaway slave goes back to his master and says you know i see jesus in you and i'm going to do what you say and i'm never going to run away again you know and uh and hopefully the slave owner said you know i see jesus in you um, you're not quite my slave anymore. Let's have a different relationship. So that that might be nice. Can't prove it, of course, because it's not in the text. But it's part of the intention I think Paul would love to have seen in the community. So the church is also described as being in a place called Hierapolis, which only appears here. But uh, the the church is spreading. Okay, it's the little fingers are, are going anywhere. The good news. Good news can't be stopped, and uh, which is an absolute joy, and uh, and that brings in all kinds of other issues. Okay, or in terms of like how do they function in leadership? How do they start handling uh, money that's starting to be accrued or or, or given in wealth, etc., etc., etc. And those are issues that still plague us to this day. Okay, but um, but the uh, the instructions for our community that we can take for ourselves is. Um, Let's start by being devoted in prayer. Let's uh, make uh, uh, have ourselves to have an active prayer life. As uh, Aria suggested, you know, um, prior to going to sleep, let's let's try and say an extra prayer. Let's uh, try to be a bit more alert uh, as uh, as we lie lie down, and um, and keep searching diligently, learning, studying, so that we continue to just get a little bit more of the revelation of the mystery of Christ for all of us. But then once you have it, be, be, uh, be prepared to share it. And how do we share it? Well, we share it hopefully with words that are attractive, powerful, preserving, you know, all of those images that we talked about uh, uh, with salt. And, um, and if we don't know how to do it, then be with friends so that uh, you're not always doing it alone okay? sometimes uh, uh, one of the best ways of, of talking is actually um, to be in a conversation that's actually just listening and then being able to say even if it's only one or two lines right at the end that's always very very good and uh, and jesus will restore all things particularly relationships but at the end of this uh, this session uh, end of this end of our study in colossians the thing that we need to um, be diligent about is to make sure that we're acting out our faith in a manner that is worthy of Jesus. That uh, that we're not just 
well, I believe in Jesus. And so I really can just do whatever I like now. So that's actually not true. Right? Um, the, uh, the, as a, to, reflect, to reflect Jesus, and there's certainly a, a variety of hints and, and, and things along the way in this book that we should be endeavoring to put into practice. Um, any other thoughts in relation to this summary that uh, shows up in Colossians? Lauren. I just want to say what somebody mentioned earlier on with this church, this letter going to the Laodiceans and then out to the, on and on and on, and then whipsing all the way to Revelation and that letter from that. So from what was taking place here, this church that was obviously vibrant and fully alive and fully everything to the letter that came in the book of Revelation to the Laodicean church is quite interesting. Yeah, well, uh, next to like maybe half a generation later. So, uh, and, and we, so we might sometimes be a bit perplexed, like how does that actually happen? Um, but it happens in our day. I don't want to, to name denominations, but there's, you can have certain churches that are headed up by certain charismatic figures and they, they do great for 20 years, but then something happens. Maybe it's a moral failure, maybe it's, um, too much syncretism with uh, different different traditions or, or religions and then all of a sudden you end up with a church that was once vibrant suddenly um going the opposite and uh and, and, and that happens even in our day and uh and so here we have this vibrant community people are paul's excited he's writing a letter to the laodiceans etc etc there's a house group there it's fantastic and yet yes um 30 years later, uh, John will will uh, pen a letter where it's a bit a bit harsher. And how does that happen? It, uh, it can happen. And so we've always got to be watchful, on guard, diligent in prayer, um, uh, ad admonishing each other, binding up that which is uh, which is broken, sustaining that which is good and healthy, etc, etc. It's a work. You know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Walk out. Run the race. Don't give up. You know all these admonitions to to constantly be walking, studying, praying unceasingly, evangelizing, talking, healing, battling the enemy. It's a very active church, isn't it? All right, family. Great. Blessings, everybody. Thank Go you so much. Thank you, everyone.